We would like to acknowledge the Bunurong peoples of the Kulin Nation as the traditional custodians of the land in which we record this podcast. We pay our respects to their elders, both past and present, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to What the Hell Are We Doing, the podcast where we chat all things motherhood and life after having a baby, the journey through finding yourself and your new relationships with life. Nothing is off limits. This is a safe space. We are here to help you navigate through the next phase of life. I'm Sky. I'm Lise. And what the what hell, the are, we hell doing? are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are we fucking doing? Oh, okay. So, Lise, how was your week? Let's just get into it. So, this week, this past fortnight, really, if we want to expand, is it a fortnight? Well, you're getting into the fortnight. So, it has been, what, since March 2020 that COVID (laughs) ruined everyone's lives and we (laughs) finally have COVID. (laughs) Like, I actually can't believe we've waited all this time. And we have been sick as it has not been fun. Yeah, it hasn't sounded it. No, like I've just been surprised, honestly, at how sick we felt and the fact that we've been testing positive for so long. Shane's finally looking like tomorrow will be a negative. Um, yeah, look, it's it's been hard. Like obviously I think a lot of people know, you know, just the challenge of just being sick in general and having to work and then, you know, having a sick partner and throwing in a baby into the mix. And, yeah, it's yeah. definitely been not the best. Um, obviously, we had to have a COVID party for Sylvie. We couldn't really have actually her first birthday party over the weekend, which was probably the most disappointing thing, yeah. I would say. No, that would have really sucked. It's like you would not have thought that in November 2022 that COVID would have ruined Sylvie's birthday. So it's just yeah. probably shocking as well. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously we were always going to get it. It's not like we were never going to get it. Um, I think it's just disappointing that it had to be that week and, yeah. you know, that I was not testing positive at the same time as Shane, so it was like a five-day delay. Even though I was sick, you know, that we were showing symptoms in the exact same day, but it just meant, yeah. So obviously I know it's not the end of the world, but obviously, you know, being a first-time parent and that being – her first birthday, there obviously yeah. was just so much excitement and just, you know, all the little things that we'd already started um, putting into place so that we could celebrate. And look, you know, we still did it. We still had the balloon garlands. We still had yeah. cookies and cake and she still had presents. We still set up her soft play stuff in the garage and, you know, we still had, you know, family and friends, yourself included, come by and yeah. sort of wish her a happy birthday from afar, which obviously, to be honest, like, made a really big difference um, That's because good. I, yeah, I was feeling a bit gloomy in the morning. Um, but, you know, it's just memories, I guess. When she's older one yeah. day we'll be able to look back and go, well, these are the photos that we got <laughs> from your party and that's why your grand's sitting like three metres away from yeah. you and, no, you exactly. know. Yeah. It's shit in the moment but, yeah, it's all – it is 
it's disappointing because of the idea that you have of your child's first birthday and like you had already started planning the party quite in advance, not details, but you knew what you wanted and you knew that you had were going to have a, like a birthday party. So yeah. it's the excitement, the lead up, and then it just gets kind of taken away. It still sucks, but yeah, still we will be able to be like, oh, COVID, hopefully, hopefully she won't know what it is. <laughs> Yes, hopefully. hopefully it's not rampant when she's 18. Yes, exactly. And at least, you know, in terms of like her second birthday, that's a party that she she won't necessarily necessarily remember that down the track, but at least it'll be a party that she'll be more aware that there's a bit more of a party going on for her, you know, yes, for a exactly. second birthday. So, yeah, look, I'm still grateful that we were able to still do something for her and that people were able to pop by and she could still open up presents and, yeah. But what about you? What's been going on in your world? Not much this week. Just been working and busy. Emilio is teething, getting those molars. So he is real in a situation. He's not eating much. He just wants to drink and drooling everywhere. But it's all right. He's as happy as he can be considering the pain, the poor thing. But um, They're actually yeah. so resilient. Like you do yeah. see that when they're sick and when they're teething and everything and they still, they'll be upset and they want all those extra cuddles and everything, but then they'll still, they'll still play and they'll still smile and laugh and yeah. No, exactly. But it's been a good week. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot of stuff to fill my own cup. Like we're doing our podcast and that's coming out soon and we're doing I'm doing like my certificate in personal training which is something for me and I'm enjoying studying again and doing work and like focusing on something that's not just you know being a mum and working like it's something that's exciting for me yeah and it kind of breaks like that daily grind of like yep getting up and going to work and that's what I'm doing and we're coming home and cooking dinner and yeah I think it's so important to be able to do that and I'm very very happy for you yeah thank you seems like you're enjoying it I am. I am. It's good. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, it's annoying sometimes. You're like, oh, I've really got it. I'm trying to do it as quickly as possible as well, obviously. Yeah. But, yeah. So I'm smashing through it as quickly, but it is, it's nice to focus on something other than just the daily life. So yeah, yeah no, it's been a good week. That's good. That's great. Yeah. So should we get into today's topic? Yes, I think we would. And I think today being our very first episode, we wanted to discuss, you know, what what made you know that you wanted to be a mum? Like how did you come to that conclusion? Was it something that was always, you know, like deep inside of you? How was it for you? Oh, for me? For me, it was I just always knew that I wanted to be a mum. Like I wanted to have kids and I couldn't wait. And my my own mum, like she was like pretty much as soon as I was 16, oh, my love, if you get pregnant, I don't care. I'll look after the baby. <laughs> like I was like, mum, you should just have another kid of your own, mate. Like stop focusing on me. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it definitely was something that I always knew was going to like happen. But I think – my, I know for you, you definitely had like a checklist of things. Whereas for me, I never really, I'm not a checklist person in general. So I yeah. never thought about it in that, that context, but yeah, I just, it was just always something I, I knew I wanted. Yeah. 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 I mean, I can definitely relate to that in that sense of that, the biological instinct. Yeah. Um, You know, like I just, I know that we've spoken about this before, but it was just, 
I don't know. I just sort of, it was almost like I woke up one day when I hit like a certain age or just, I don't know, something just happened biologically. And it was like, I just started having this physical yearning inside my chest that was telling me I wanted a baby. Yeah. And it's sometimes like you would see like little babies and you'd be like, oh, I just want one of those. Like you would literally, I don't know if it's literally like your uterus <laughs> being like, hello, <laughs> I've got some empty space down here. <laughs> or if it's the ovaries or whatever it is. But yeah. yeah, I definitely had that. I think that, you know, like obviously there was always like the aspect of growing up and being like, when I turn 25, I'm going to be married and then I'm going to have a baby. Like I definitely yeah. did say things like that. Then I'll admit, like I went through a big phase of being like, I don't know if I'll be a mom. I don't know if that's necessarily what I want. And that was probably when I was, you know, not being selfish, but I was living those like early 20s years where I was just yeah. wanting to travel and just my, my focus was working and my friends and that social aspect of it. Um, but then once I really was like, no, I definitely want to be a mum, I really started having a big look at lots of things in my life and I started compiling my checklist like I would say for me, it wasn't something that I wrote down and I would slowly physically tick things off and be like, yep, boyfriend. Yeah. Yep. Like it wasn't like that, but it was more like I knew for me in the bigger picture that for me to feel like I could bring a child into this world and know that I would be providing for them um, with the most sort of stable kind of home, the things yeah. that meant the most stable kind of home for me was to have a stable relationship with someone um, to feel relatively stable in my career, even if it wasn't like long-term career choice. I knew I want to be in a job for at least a few years so I've got, you know, the leave and the maternity leave and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I, for me, like I didn't get my license until I turned 24. So I was like I have to have my license and yeah. I have to have a car um, and I really wanted to own my own home. And, of course, they're not things that – really matter to everyone. Lots of people do parenting so different, but I think just for me, they were kind of the general things for me to feel like I could bring my kid into the most stable environment that I could provide. So naturally (laughs) at 25, (laughs) I was like, I have ticked all those things off now. And the physical side that, you know, the biological yearning going along with the logical side of, hmm, I was like, that's it just put a baby in me now. I want a baby. (laughs) I know. I think like it's probably is like, to be fair, like when I think about it, I probably never thought of it consciously about the checklist, but subconsciously, you know, I was never going to want to bring a baby into the world if I didn't have a partner that I really cared for and was in a stable relationship or a home and somewhere to bring our baby back and grow up and like make those memories. So like, I guess, in terms of if I was to equate it to a checklist, it's probably similar to yours. Like you want to be in that stable relationship. You want to have a house and you want to have a secure income for your baby. You don't want to be, you know, stressed to make ends meet for yourselves and then throw a baby into the mix and just increase the stress for everyone. Like that definitely was something like I knew I always wanted to have a baby, but I like, there was definitely moments in my life where I was like, oh, I want to have a baby, but not now. Like I know I want to, but just not right now. But I guess more, I was just never one of those people who wasn't sure if they wanted kids. Like I always just knew I did want kids and I wanted to be relatively young because I guess for me, 
my role models were my parents and they were relatively young and they, you know, moved, they like moved overseas, moved countries and they went traveling and they grew a business and, you know, sent me to private school and I had such a wonderful upbringing and that comes from immense privilege. Like I'm just so lucky with the childhood that I had and what my parents were able to provide for us. Um, And that has given me the perspective of, I thought, I've always kind of seen that when you have kids, it's not the end of your life. Like you can still do everything that you want to do. You can still have a business if you want that. You can still, you know, go and travel and do all of that. Um, So for me, I was kind of like, yeah, I want to be like youngish parents like my mom and dad. And um, yeah, that, uh, the other stuff was like, it'll all be fine. Like it'll all just work out as long as, you know, we're in a stable relationship and environment and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Like I can definitely agree with big aspects of that. Like I was really grateful that, you know, I was able to get a lot of traveling done sort of in those, those years before we had a baby. And like Shane and I would always say, oh, you know, when do you think that you would be ready to have a baby? And (laughs) he definitely had obviously a different sort of time frame to me, but I think he probably was falling a little bit more in that kind of oh, that's just more traditional, like more yeah. people wait until they're about 30 till they have a kid. And, you know, we when we started having a lot of conversations about things, like I was sort of like I feel like we have done so many great things together already, just the two of us. It yeah. doesn't – and I knew that having a baby meant that our life and world would open up, not close yeah. down. Like yeah. I, I just knew that I think instinctively – that having a baby would just bring so much love and joy into our life. Yeah. Um, and so even though, you know, Shane definitely was like, oh, I think 30 is more my sort of time frame," and I said 25. And so we did compromise and it was about 26 <laughs> that we started yeah. trying. So I always say that Shane doesn't compromise, but he definitely um, he was definitely willing to, to move that time frame for me and um, as we'll obviously discuss later, it didn't happen super quick for us. So I'm glad that we obviously moved that time frame forward. Yeah. Um, I know because it can be yeah. like it's, it's very difficult if you're in a couple and like same-sex relationships, any kind of relationships, like if one of you wants to start trying before the other. And I think as women especially, like we just – if you know that you want to have kids – no matter if you decide you're like, no, I'm going to tick these things off in my career first or my studies or whatever it is, like you have that constant like cloud hanging at the back of you thinking, oh, but what if it's going to be too late or what if my eggs are going to be bad by then or what if I can't do this because of fertility reasons and like men don't have to have those worries and so for them it's like it's just so like, oh, yeah, like when we're 30 or whatever, when I'm like 40, like – they don't yeah. have to think about what we have to think about. And even if you don't want kids young or you know you want kids older, that's still a burden that we have to carry always. Yeah, I think it's, it definitely ties into like the mental load, like in the sense yeah. that there definitely is a bigger mental load on women in heterosexual relationships to be the one to kind of not every time I'm not I'm not saying that it's every time, but I definitely feel like it obviously does disproportionately fall on women to be the one who are thinking of the timeframes because, yep. as you said, yeah, men could literally wake up one day and go, let's start trying for a baby now. 
But for a woman, there's like, okay, well, I'm the one who's actually going to be pregnant. So I need to know that I'm going to be able to have enough sick leave, maternity leave, be able to return to my job. How's that going to affect other things? I've physically got to be pregnant. Like some some exactly. people even think, oh, well, I'm going to be a bridesmaid in two months' time at a wedding. I don't want to be pregnant at that. Yeah. So let's start trying after that. Like there are yeah. so many things that fall on us to have to think of. And I guess that's just, you know, a part of it. But yeah. with um with you and Az, do you feel like there was a bit of a difference in, you know, the two of you feeling ready at different times? I think definitely. I think for me, like, I guess I kind of was worried because, you know, you guys were trying for a baby before we were ready and speaking to like, you know, my parents about how like, you know, you guys were struggling a little bit. And then my mum started telling us, oh yeah, it took us two years to fall pregnant. And so I was kind of surrounded by like, you know, taking a while. So I said to Aaron, look, like, he was going to be ready in two years. I was ready in two years kind of thing to have a baby. But um, I think for both of us, it was a shock when I did fall pregnant as we discussed later on. But yeah, so I definitely think that Aaron probably was more shocked than me almost in a way. Oh, no, I think we were both equally shocked, but I definitely, I was the one bringing up the conversations more than Aaron bringing up the conversations because he was kind of like, oh yeah, soon. And I definitely think for us, you know, we were both ready and then COVID happened and we got engaged after the first lockdowns. And so we were always just going to start trying for a baby only after we got married. Like, I guess we were, it didn't bother me, but Aaron was probably more of the traditional one. You know, we need a, I would like to be married before we start having a baby. And I was like, yeah, fair enough. I mean, most people do that. It doesn't mean it's the right way or the wrong way, but I get why there's like societal pressures to, to feel like that is the way. And so I was like, whatever, I'm happy to do that. But then the second lockdown started and we were just like, when is this ever going to stop? Like, we're never going to get married. Like, it's just going to be, who knows when we're going to get, what if we can only get married in four years? Like, are we happy to wait for four years? No. So then we were kind of like, well, let's just start now. And then Emilio happened. (laughs) He did. And I think there's definitely an aspect of that. Like when you think about trying for a baby, I think it's also like, yes, you can, you can get engaged and you can have your wedding. But I think there was that different kind of um, just pressure and, and environment, obviously living through all the lockdowns where it, for me, obviously, because I wanted to be pregnant, I kept on kind of feeling like, when's my life going to start in a way? And I think that was because I had already done a lot of things that I felt proud of and I had done a lot of things that had filled my cup at different times, like traveling and doing different jobs, working, doing so much socializing and moving and buying a house and things like that, that I felt like I've, you know, filled my cup in all those different ways. And I just really was like, I just want to experience that immense love and joy that I know will come with having a child. Yeah. Um, And I can obviously say that that is completely true. So I think that, you know, even to sort of, um, to possibly sort of reach out to anyone that might be listening who's thinking of, you know, I've tuned into this episode because I don't know if I am ready to be a mum yet or you are ready to be a mum. And it's, it's really nice to kind of be reminded from other people that have been through it where, it's not to invalidate, like obviously everything that I did in my life prior 
was great. You know, it built so many life experiences and so many amazing memories. Um, but I'm so, I'm so grateful that I got to have a baby when I did. And I definitely feel like it's just opened up my, it's actually like changed my perspective almost on life in a way. Mm. Um, yeah. And I just think that's incredible. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely agree. And I think that like, you know, it's, it's so different because everyone is in different stages of life. But, you know, for me, I found myself in a stable relationship and like we had a house and we were kind of settling into that suburban life. I wasn't, you know, going out on the weekends, getting drunk all the time and, you know, being like, if I was doing that and I wanted to do that, I definitely wouldn't have had a baby when I had a baby, like definitely enjoy what stage you're in and definitely enjoy you know, if you want to do that, keep doing it until you kind of over it. Because for me, I was over it already. So it's, it's like, you just have to feel which kind of life stage you're in and having a baby for me, like I was, I was never really scared to have a baby because I never really thought, oh, it's going to change my whole life. Or my parents never said to me, oh, like when you have kids, like your whole life is ruined. Cause you, you really hear that kind of like story arc all the time like oh my parents tell me don't have like it ruins your life or you you know it's the end of your life when you have kids or you can't do this you you can't do that yeah I feel like there is so much of that that sort of um that commentary where it's almost like oh I, I don't know like almost it's like an older generation or like when a lot of older generation almost find out that you're having a baby they're like oh sleep as much as you can now mm. or like enjoy your time now while the baby's not here kind of thing and I don't yeah. know I just feel like there can be a huge um negative sort of outlook so I grew up as you know one of seven with a single mum and funnily enough like I feel like I never really looked at what my mum was doing and understood that, you know, she was obviously working so hard for us and that she was getting up every single day and showing up for us and and putting her children first, which is really what she did every day. And when I think back on my childhood in that in that way, my mum never once said that it was hard, you know, yeah. having seven children. She never once actually made me feel bad for the fact that she was a single mum, you know, and had yeah. seven children to look after. And I feel like just in some sort of way, I did internalize some of that positivity to kind of think having a family is, is actually great yeah. and that it doesn't hold you back from anything. And yeah, yeah I just feel like. Yeah, it doesn't hold you back. And I feel like, you know, you see that on the internet all the time, like, oh, you can't do this and you can't do that. And, like, don't get me wrong, we're not sitting here saying, you know, you can do all the exact same things as you could do before you had kids. It was, It's definitely, like, just a little bit more organisation and you can't do everything and you can't, you know, be there for everyone like you used to be able to when you just was. But that's like even when you're in a relationship, you know, your priorities change throughout life and that's just how it is. And when you have a, a baby, you still can go for brekkie with your friends and go for coffee and do all of that. And But I think, you know, the thing that we also probably have to acknowledge is the privilege that we have is, you know, we have really hands-on equal halves in that yes. our husbands are fathers and they don't yes. just do the absolute bare minimum. They're actually... No you know, an equal parent in the terms of doing half of the child rearing, which is what they should. And also, you know, I have 
we both have such great support systems in our families to know that if we did want to go for a date night or go to the movies or hang out with our friends, like our mums or mother-in-laws would look after our children to help us out and they want to because they obviously love our child. And, you know, like one of the things that I I know I wanted to make a point of is like I think the negativity that you see constantly about parenting is so hard. I think a lot of the time when I see that, like I get reminded of the fact that we live in such like an individualist culture where everyone's so like, you know, just themselves, whereas like, you know, I come from a European family and, I mean, you don't come from a European family and you're still like, you know, the same, but like, you know, I see my family all the time. I speak to my family all the time. They're so involved. They like, my mum literally says Emilio just feels like another child to her. Like, and it's that village. It really does take a village to help you raise your kids. And I think when you do have that supportive village you don't feel like it is such a change in your life and it's not such a burden because it's not a burden. It's just really like a positive thing because you just become closer with everyone around you. You see how much they love your child. It's just it's just so much easier when you do have that support system. And I think that people, you know, I say to everyone when you have a baby, just accept the help. Accept the help from everyone who wants to help you. They wouldn't say I'll help you if they didn't want to. And absolutely, it, yeah, it's what makes life beautiful. Like sharing all those memories with everyone. It's so nice. I mean, that's that's definitely been a thing for me as well. Like, obviously, you were saying how at sixteen, your mom was like, "Lovey, yeah. have a baby," pretty much. <laughs> but like, my mom didn't necessarily say it that way, but. Like for as soon as I sort of started saying, oh, I don't know, like even when I was quite young, like early 20s kind of thing, sometimes things would just sort of pop up in conversation and my mum would always just be like, I'm always here. I'll always be here. I'm always around. Like I I think I did know deep down that my mum would always be a huge support for me and my family and she absolutely has been and like that has really been a beautiful joy in a way like you're right it really does bring your family closer together in that different way and obviously it's it's such a privilege to be able to have both of us to have a mum who is involved in our life who who loves us both you know so much and loves our children well our child but you know what I mean like obviously that is a really big privilege but I think that in terms of the broader um, idea of when did I know that I was ready to become a mum? I think that I did know that deep down that whenever I did, my mum would always be there for me. And yep. I think it really helped. Like I'm incredibly lucky as well that not only do I have a supportive mum, I have a supportive mother-in-law yeah. and I'm incredibly grateful for her as well. Like obviously over time being with Shane, like I think I even just knew early on in our relationship if we were to fall pregnant that she would be there for us. Like I yeah. I think I just always knew that and yeah. and I, I love it. Like I'm so grateful that Sylvie has two, two grandmas that both love her so yeah. much. It's yeah. really beautiful. No, it is. I, I know that like because obviously Aaron's mum passed away when he was really young and yeah. I, like and in raising a family and how amazing it is and how positive it is, I also think it's really hard if you are someone who – doesn't have your mum around like I obviously dads are great too like don't get me wrong dads are amazing and grandfathers are amazing but there is a difference yeah I feel like the grandfathers are amazing usually like once the kids kind of here and there's that little bit of a different kind of 
element, but I feel like sort of prior to that, I feel like most people, if they do have a great relationship with their mum, there's a bit more of an internalized, I know my mum's going to look after me. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think like, you know, you hear that mother-in-law trope of like, oh, the mother-in-law, like I see people doing like Q and A's on Instagram all the time about like what horrible things the mother-in-law is doing and stuff like that. And so I think a lot of women struggle with their mother-in-laws and, you know, seeing that and then also knowing I don't even have one and don't even get to have that experience of having a good relationship with her or seeing Emilio with her like because obviously when you have a baby like for me I don't know for you but I look at Emilio and it's like crazy to think that like he's actually half me and half Aaron like I just feel like he's my baby like he just feels like me I was gonna say it's because like to you they're an extension of yeah. you and so you haven't lived your partner's yeah, life exactly. so your child's an extension of you so you take them to your family home or you take them to things with your family exactly. and for me for example because my mum still lives in the same home that I grew up in so I take Sylvie back there and it's just like oh this is the house that I grew up in as a child yeah. and like yeah I know we're like all the center of our own universe <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, 100% and then you know it's so funny because you're just like I think as well like from the female perspective I like I think obviously I came from my mum and Sylvie came from me yeah but then I see Shane's mum and I'm like oh Shane came from his mum yeah and I feel like it just almost creates like that level of kind of like, oh, I don't yeah, know. I know what it's, you mean. It, it is different. It's yeah. It's it's funny yeah. that way. But like again, touching on that though, like the mother-in-law trope. I don't have that with my mother-in-law. I have what I would say is actually a great relationship with yes, my mother-in-law. Um, I feel like my mother-in-law is one of a kind. Yeah. I really do. She <laughs> like she is the one of a kind person. She is Julie. And she I is feel herself. like she is. <laughs> I just love it. And I feel like over all the years that I've gotten to know her, I have also developed um, you know, just such a strong level of respect for her. Yeah. And and I'm really, really grateful that I have her as as well as my mum. But yeah, I, I do see that and I like I, I do really feel for people that have that really complicated relationship with a mother in law because before you have a baby, like that that would really affect how you possibly would think about your future family life. Thinking, Oh, I don't get along sure. with my mother in law, like if that was the case for you. Yeah, no, it definitely would. And it's one of those things where I'm like gonna be the mother in law because <laughs> <laughs> it's so devastating. Oh, I know. So I see that on TikTok all the time, <laughs> where it's like when you realize that you're going to be like the, the mother-in-law yeah. on the dad side of the family. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, actually devastating. That's funny. No, I feel like I mean, my brother is very close with my family, and so it, he's like, it, he is breaking the stereotype of that. So hopefully, Amelia can break the stereotypes too. And, and even that Shane, Shane's really close with his mum yeah. and his mum's really close with us. So I feel like it isn't like, oh, yeah. like Sylvie, I feel like loves both of her grandmas yes. and knows them both and is so involved in their lives. Yeah. Equally. No, no it's so <laughs> nice to have that, honestly. it's it, it really is just important. I think if you are thinking about having a kid or you're not thinking about it for a little while or whenever you're thinking about it, it's important to really try and – 
build that support network around you. Even if you, you know, I listen to other podcasts like and, you know, my, like if you've moved overseas, like really try find friends that become your family and really rely on each other, even if it's just friendships. Like friendships are just important as family relationships and me- like um like romantic relationships like i think people really undervalue friendships in being like support networks i feel like a lot of people don't want to burden each other but i think if you're all burdening each other like in quotation marks then you're all just actually helping helping each other and it's all just you're all just supporting each other and i think we need more of that in the world just supporting each other through every life experience and knowing that you know, what you would do, your friends would do back for you. It's really nice. Yeah, I agree with that. Like even when I sort of first became a mum as well, I sort of went, oh, wow, there are things that I probably should have done for other people in my life that I didn't realise were things that they would have needed me to do until I went through it. And sometimes, unfortunately, that is just a part of life. And sometimes you don't know how to put things in place for yourself as well to have that support. Yeah. But I completely agree with you. Like I remember you saying that early to me in postpartum being like, accept the help. And it took me a bit to kind of just be like, if people offer the help, I'm just going to say yes. Even if I feel still that internalized sense of guilt. And I think I've definitely struggled with that kind of like being a bit of a martyr where you're kind of like, I'm a mum mums mean that we're supposed to be able to do everything and show up every day and never worry about ourselves that definitely played on my mind but if someone was like hey you know you guys are sick at the moment what do you need from the grocery store or come and drop it off I want to be like nothing don't worry about it don't worry but then I'm like no I actually do need some stuff and it will be easier if that person brings it over for me so I know and it's yeah it's definitely like you see on Instagram and all just social media is like this toxic. I feel like it's kind of like if you ask, if you're actually accepting help, you're like not good enough to be doing what you're doing. And it's like, oh, you're not really being a full hands-on mum, which is already so sexist because men would just never hear that trope ever, ever, ever. But I know it's just like, no, <laughs> people who actually accept help are like, you know, the stronger ones in a way because it's like that same thing of the oxygen mask. You've got to fill your own cup before you start helping everyone else around you. And if you're not, if you don't have a filled cup, like you're just going to start resenting every single person around you, including your child. And like no one wants to be around you if you're resentful and you don't want to be around anyone if you're resentful. And so just like, you know, look after yourself and make sure that, you know, before you have kids, with whatever partner you have that you are on the same page with what your expectations are of each other. Like I always knew I was never going to be in a relationship with someone who wasn't like going to be, you know, an actual parent and an actual dad. I'm not, I'm trying not to say good dad. Cause like, you know, I'm just a mum and he's just a dad. Like he's being a dad, not a good dad. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's so yeah, hard. I know. That's, I say it all the time and like I know so many people do think it, but I definitely feel like it is just vocalised so much more that my partner is a good dad. Yeah. No, it is. <laughs> and he is a good dad, but yeah. I'm a good mum yeah. and you're a good mum and Aaron's a good dad. Like exactly. we're all great parents. Yeah. 
but obviously I feel like, yeah, as we've said before, the bar is very low yeah. in terms of what it actually takes to be a good dad. Someone sees that, you know, a dad take their child grocery shopping and they're like, oh, my God, give him a bloody medal right now. Yeah, literally. Like, there definitely is that level of like – but then it's just looked as like, oh, that mum, she's on her phone yeah. and she's pushing the trolley, like, you know, how selfish. Yeah. And it's like, mate, she's probably checking her grocery list. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I Literally. mean? Like, anyone's allowed to do that for a second. I know. It's so – the world is crazy out there about parenting and, like, yeah, I definitely think that like, – I and people say, oh, like, you're so lucky to have, like, a hands-on dad like Aaron. And it's like I get annoyed. I'm like, I'm not lucky. Like, yeah, okay, in the sense of, like, I'm lucky – in terms of like, you know, not that it could be worse, but I chose Aaron for a reason, not chosen for a reason, but like you, you choose who you want to be in a relationship with and you choose, you know, like the level that you're willing to accept. And for me, I wasn't going to really accept someone who wasn't willing to do those or be that kind of progressive in a way, like be, you know, we share a house. I already knew like when we moved into our house, he, I never really had to ask him to do stuff around. Well, I sometimes do, but most of the time I never have to ask him to do stuff around the house. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I think that knowing knowing that, like, that definitely helps being a, a mum because being a single mum is would be so, so hard. Like, you know, we're here saying really positive things, but we are in such privileged positions and we really do acknowledge that and – having to do it by yourself, having to work and look after the kids and do the cooking and the cleaning and everything like, yeah, my, take my hat off to you and I just hope that, you know, hope that they have supportive people around them to help them out where they can. But, yeah, it would just be so hard, honestly. Yeah, and then if to tie into that, like the idea of having a partner who isn't an equal partner at all, you are almost a single mum. Yeah. Exactly. But you're actually not single. Yeah. So it's it's probably almost more insulting in a way. Yeah. Like there's probably more emotional hurt there because you're like, I feel like a single parent. Because I do see that a lot on like a lot of like um, TikTok comments and stuff like that where a lot of people are just like – there's that um, specific TikTok user. I'm not sure if you've seen her before, but she's called Not Kristen Bell because she looks like Kristen Bell, but <laughs> no. she's not Kristen Bell. And she does videos like all the time about parenting and the mental load and everything like that. And a lot of people comment that all the time where they're just like, that's why I left my husband because I feel like a single mum, but I'm not. I know. Um, I, I definitely think that, you know, if if you were thinking about possibly having kids, but you're kind of like if you are already experiencing mental load like the severity of the mental load before you have kids I really think that you should think about your choices to be with the person who you're with well yeah I mean look like it's it's hard because I feel like not to sort of make excuses for people but I definitely feel like it doesn't mean that you can't have kids with that person I just think that if you're in that sort of position where if that's the one thing that's maybe holding you back where you're like I'm not ready to start a family yet because I'm you know I don't know if I want to take on so much more work that probably is something that before you have a baby you really should have some really long hard conversations with your partner about there might be things that I know it's infuriating, but they might not realize that they're not doing it and they might not realize that they should be doing more. So I feel like, you know, that that can obviously definitely um, have an impact on how you view wanting to be a mum. Yeah. 
So if that's something that you're able to sort of, yeah, work on yeah. beforehand. Just, because – Yeah, and just yeah. – think and and that almost should be like a part of the checklist in a way like if we were developing a little checklist along our conversation Mm, I would be like you know add that to the checklist because if you are already struggling like you know and you don't have these conversations with your partner like a communication when you have a baby in general but when you have a baby communication is like the most important thing like you need to be always communicating how you're feeling if you're feeling overwhelmed if you need some help like with everyone including your partner and if you're not communicating it's going to be really hard once you have a baby and like you know they say the first year of your child's life is the hardest year on any relationship and I definitely think that it definitely was for us like it was very testing like you have some well, we had some big fights because you're, you're figuring out who you are, A, especially as a, a birthing woman, like you, you know, your hormones are crazy and you're just, you know, you've gone through yeah. what they call matrescence. matrescence. <laughs> and so, yeah, let alone then trying to figure out parenting styles and the mental load and just sleep deprivation and all of that. Like it's all just overwhelming in general. And then, yeah, if you don't have open communication with your partner, before that, like you should really start communicating before to kind of get practice in because, yeah, that's I think the most important thing. Yeah, I mean I think that too. Like I have felt like obviously, you know, we've both been in long-term relationships and I think that, you know, Shane and I have definitely had other trying periods in our life and it's been an incredible experience, you know. So we just turned one on the weekend And, you know, so it's officially been a year, you know, it's been that first year and it's been the best year of my life, definitely, but it has been trying. And I think that like when a lot of people talk about sometimes what is hard about being a parent, it's not actually being a parent, being a parent and loving your child, playing and caring for your child. That stuff isn't hard. That stuff is beautiful. And that stuff I, for me has come easily. I've been easily able to, to step into that role. I think what's been hard is the change of who you actually then become that you and your partner are still, you know, we're still Lisa and Shane, but we are mum and dad and we are parents now. And I would say that for us that that has been sort of more of that challenge. So I think that like when I knew as well that I felt like we were ready to step into that stage together because obviously you know that it is going to affect your relationship in some way or other, you know, I think that I knew that we would work together as a team. Like I think that that idea, that that filled me with so much positivity and excitement that that was a huge life stage that we were going to go through together. So I think that really had, yeah, um, a positive sort of um, impact on my outlook on becoming a mum. Yeah. No, I definitely think that if you don't feel like a team – before you have a baby, it's it's worth it to work on that relationship to make sure you do feel like a team because, you know, Aaron often he found that quote or whatever online and it's like it shouldn't be you versus me. It should be you and me versus the problem. And I definitely think that 
rings really true, especially, I mean, in any aspect of your life that should ring true, but especially in parenting, like you've got the problem and like, let's try work out together what we're going to do to fix it instead of just taking it out on each other. Cause it is so much easier to just take it out on each other. Like it is, it is hard and you you know, cause you are just, you live your life and it's, you worry about you and then you worry about your baby, but then you've also got to worry about the dynamic between the three of you in a way. And it's like, you've got to compromise on things that you want to do for your child because it's not just your child. Like we were saying before, you know, you view it as it's just a part of you, but it's also a part of them and they have just as much right to, you know, decide on parenting things, but it is difficult. And I, I definitely think that like, there isn't any shame in going to see a couple's counsellor or anything like that. In fact, it takes a lot of bravery to do that together and I think it should be done more. I feel like, you know, it's it's very yeah, easy, definitely. you know, with like to feel like there's so many options out there, I guess, with all the dating apps and everything like that. You just feel like, oh, I just want to leave and just be alone sometimes. But, you know, when you do really love someone is hard work and it's – it's you've got to really put in that effort to communicate because yeah otherwise it's not going to work out communication is key for any relationship family friends relation like romantic everything I think as well like I was just sort of thinking too I think for me I knew with Shane that I really wanted to have kids with him because I just I felt like I knew that he would be a great father to my children and I feel like in a way he was helping to sort of rewrite some of my history in a way and kind of heal some aspects of my hurt by being a good dad and I feel really happy all the time knowing that my daughter's going to grow up with a dad who would do anything for her, who loves her so much and who will show up for her, you know, every single day. And I think that 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 is what it takes to be a good parent and it shouldn't be hard, but for some people it is. But I think that I just knew that, like I just, in you know, instinctively knew that on some level that Shane was the right person for me to have a child with. Yeah, Yeah. I definitely think. I guess if we were going to summarize everything that we've really discussed and make our own little checklist today. I feel like, you know, the things that would be the most important is to have that stable relationship, feel financially secure or like, I guess, if and career security, definitely, because as a woman. And obviously that looks different for everyone, but we can't deny the fact that in 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 this the way that the society is going to go obviously you are going to have to take time off work and yes. obviously i know it's not the same in every couple that you know i mean for example we both went back to work quite soon actually yeah. after having a baby i say quite soon a lot of people go back around that time a lot of people take a lot longer off work yeah. um but even that like obviously that did have an impact probably on how both of us felt ready to have a baby yeah. no for sure i definitely think so all right, well, to round the conversation out, if someone came to you and said, help me, I don't know, I don't know if I'm ready to become a mum, what's like one little one line that you would give them, like a piece of advice for them? I would probably just say 
having a baby is truly going to open up your world and open up your life. Like if you think, if you're thinking that having a baby is going to hold you back from doing things that you really want in your life, like I think that having a baby makes, changes your perspective on life. It makes you more grateful to have your life. Mm. It fills you with so much love. And I think as well, in a kind of a beautiful way, you kind of get to look at things all over again from a fresh perspective, almost as a child. Like you get to just look at the world and go, wow, that would be like really cool to be a baby. That would be really fun. That would be so wholesome to like do that as a child. Um, I know that's not a straight one line. Yeah. No, that's fine. It's close <laughs> enough. Sorry. But what about you? Yeah, I definitely think I would say similar to you, like it opens up your life. It doesn't close out your life. Like I think if you think that you still want to, if you have a, a priorities and you want to do the things that you want to do, I think that you can do that no matter if you have a baby, just like traveling or whatever the case is, just because you have a kid, it doesn't stop you from doing the things you want. So guys, if you aren't ready for kids, but this makes you excited, I'm happy for you. (laughs) And if you want kids and this makes you feel like you're ready to do it, then that's also good. It's just, I feel like a lot of women especially say, I don't know if I'm ready. And I think, you know, discussing all the, the pros like we just have is is really good because often you're just drowned out by all the negativity and that can really persuade you into being like, oh, maybe not right now. But we really have enjoyed being a mum and motherhood so far. And so we're just two positive voices to be like, come join us yeah. on the other side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like we sort of just, um, you know, we kind of just want to balance out, but, you know, some of the negativity that's out there and obviously we're not – living in some sort of bubble and saying that there are never hard moments or anything like that. But I think that what we really want to try to do as mums, as parents, is even for the sake of our children as well, I feel like we really want to focus on the positives so that we're, we're knowing, like, so that we're making sure that our children know that they are, like, the, the best sort of positive change in our life and that we, yeah, and that we want them in our lives and that it's not been, you know, we didn't ruin our lives because we had a baby young or whatever. Like our kids are going to be living life by themselves when we're like in our 50s and we're going to be like going, we'll be like rich because we'll be old and travelling. So it'll be a great time. <laughs> well, it'll be so fun to be a grandparent as well. I actually feel like I would love to be a grandparent. Yeah, same. Like I love being a parent, so I feel like I'd love being a grandparent yeah. because then like you just get to have so much fun yeah. as well. Yeah. No, yes, but thank you so much guys for listening today to our first episode. So exciting. We're really thank proud of you. ourselves. And please let us know if you ha- if we have said anything that does resonate with you or even if you have questions or your experience or if you think you know like if you've got a friend that you're like oh we've talked about having a baby and like I know I really want a baby but they're sitting on the fence please pass us yes. on to them you know just sort of say like these girls have got a really positive outlook on being a parent and if we're the little happy voice that sort of helps you and your partner go yep you know we're ready 
please let us know. Yeah. And also please do like pass us on because yes. I'm the kind of person that really yes. takes people's um, thank you, you know, all word for the of mouth advice. Like I've always been like, friends. please someone recommend me a podcast be because I'll struggle sometimes looking through categories. So if you so do know somebody, yes. a colleague, friend, family who might gain something yes. from this episode, you know, please, please pass us on. We will really appreciate it. And we do promise that we will also get better each week um, with more practice and I think just really finding our groove in this as well because obviously sometimes, you know, with anything, a first episode isn't always going to be perfection. But like knowing that we have recorded so many episodes and we have so many great things that we really want to talk about, it would really mean a lot to us if you do really stick with us because – Obviously, everyone's going to say that, but we do have some really important conversations that we want to have in the near future. And we obviously would really love to have a community in which we can share those stories with and who can share their experiences as well back with us. Yeah. So thank you so much, guys. And we will be in your ears next week, Monday. And every Monday after that, well, not every Monday, we'll need holidays, but most Mondays after that. And yeah, thanks so much for your time. Have a lovely day or night, wherever you are, whatever time you're listening. Thank you.